Generally Speaking About the Church, episode number 33. everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Generally Speaking About the Church. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. And my name is DG. Collins. Sorry. <laughs> you added your last name. You got a cool last name. My last name. Eh. It's not as cool as Chris Chris. Chris. Chris Ravenscraft. I said every time I just he actually just got to tell me give me a hard time on my blog. I put Chris as his name the entire time instead of Cliff. Oh man, you're messing up my Google juice. <laughs> wow. I don't know if I want to get into Google juice. All right. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. We are so excited to be here. Uh, Mr. Hollums and I are going to be talking about all kinds of wonderful things related to what? Every, uh, maybe something. Let's just speak generally about the church. That's what let's, sounds good to let's me. Let's keep it general. <laughs> the, the truth is we have no idea what we're speaking about today. Si. It was si, senor. Si, senor. <laughs> we're going to speak in Spanish. This is for our Spanish listeners out there. Hablo español un poquito. Un poquito. So, um, muy un poquito. Is that very little? <laughs> yes, very, very okay. little. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, anyway. Um, yeah, seriously, last episode we did was the translations of the scriptures that, that are out there and available to people. Right. And that kind of just came out, Just that just happened to be what we started talking about. So yeah. uh, there are going to be times that this, as far as the format of the show, it will probably start out as just a general conversation and we'll see if something just arises out of it. There will be times that maybe a question or a uh, string of questions brought in from listeners uh, or community uh, members, as I prefer to call them, because you guys, we don't want people just to listen. We want interaction. We definitely want to participate in a conversation with you guys. Exactly. Yeah. So um, sometimes what you ask or say or comment on may steer us in one direction or another as far as a topic is concerned. And maybe sometimes we'll we'll be called out on our heresy. And yeah, that's cool with me. <laughs> and and we'll 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 defend ourselves to the death. No, <laughs> or we'll say, you know, you're right. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we might do that. <laughs> Holy as well. cow! You just taught me something. That's amazing. <laughs> exactly, which may not be too difficult to do. So we want to hear from you. You can always call us at area code eight five nine seven nine five four zero six seven. Again, that's eight five nine seven nine five four zero six seven. And you can email us, but we prefer a voicemail. Yes. You can email us, though, at feedback at gspn.tv. So with that, let's go ahead and turn our ears over to the one person who did call in after our first episode of the relaunch. Which is awesome. I mean, you just completely relaunched it, and then all of a sudden we have one voice, but that's great. Well, the, that's the cool thing when you, uh, you, you, know, you have a network of podcasts, and you have about... 300 people who are subscribed to the all-inclusive feed right so i mean i could we could do uh toenails today and <laughs> the people are gonna have it downloaded but we'll just generally speak about toenails generally today. speaking about toenails <laughs> coming soon to an ipod near you <laughs> let's go to our first caller oh wait let's go to our caller <laughs> hey cliff this is jim from the monkey in the middle podcast uh, calling from an undisclosed location somewhere here in america i'm calling about the Relaunch podcast about the church uh, that you and uh, 
GD. No, no, DG. Got to get that right. <laughs> GD uh, are now hosting. Uh, first of all, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I really laughed when I heard about Cliff's uh, explanation as to why he wanted to go to a Pentecostal church. Uh, didn't realize long skirts were such an attractive thing to you. Well, hey, good for you. <laughs> anyway, what I'm really calling about is, since one of you is uh, ex-Nazarene, the other one is now a Methodist, uh, I do have a question about John Wesley. Um, how, uh, you, you mentioned GD, I mean, DG had mentioned that uh, he really enjoyed high church worship, or at least that's what he grew up with. And that's something I really enjoy, too. And I'm a member of the Church of Nazarene, and for the most part, they're not that high church. But how high church was John Wesley And uh, in terms of his worship? I mean, he was, after all, an Episcopalian priest. Um, if you can get any insight into that, I'd appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to your next episode. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Jimmy. Yeah, that was awesome. So I I love getting questions and, and feedback from our listeners and uh that that is just amazing. And just so you know, if you leave a voicemail regarding an episode, it may take two weeks before it gets into an episode because we're currently at this point in time recording things for future weeks because I know exactly. D G is going to be missing we should just call this the G D and Chris show. <laughs> <laughs> we could. I'm fine with that. So uh <laughs> That's awesome. But anyway, uh, we already know that that DG is going to miss next week, so he's not going to be able to come in studio. So what we recorded as the second episode last week will be released this week, and this week will be released next week. But you... That for you is this week. You just completely confused everybody. Just keep on listening. We love you. We love you. (laughs) And we hope that you love us. And anyway, let's talk about this. Now, you... he Okay. I remember you telling me high church. High church, is that just the liturgical stuff? Yeah, and that's the one thing I kind of wanted to clarify, too, especially with this voicemail. Uh, just the one thing that, that high church, in, in my mind, is just a, they put a huge emphasis on, on the liturgy. Okay. Uh, can I so, just say that th- this is weird. I've been a Christian for as long as I can remember being a Christian, uh, you know, growing up in the church and stuff. As a, Okay, you know what I mean. Go back and listen to my prior episodes. But <laughs> anyway... I've never heard the term high church before, ever. Oh, yeah? yeah? Yeah, never. But anyway, go ahead and finish your clarification. Oh, no, that's fine. It's, and, and so, so this, this, it's a huge emphasis on liturgy, which just basically means um, we're going to take the stuff that we know is tried and true uh, that will, would just bring us into a little bit better understanding of worshiping God. And so, you know, you have this greeting time. And then you have, you know, you, you just, there's just a, specific, a specific place for the reading of Scripture and for uh, preaching or something else like that in communion. Um, and and it just it, it, everything is has its place and its rightful place uh, for the worship time. Right. And so uh, I think it's actually taken like hardcore old school, like uh, one of the earliest manuscripts we even have of a worship service whatsoever was like Justin... Uh, I think it was just a martyr, fourth century, something like that. And it was basically talking about catechism, like going through um, the process of being baptized and joining the church. Oh, okay. Uh, and so we have the, like all this different stuff in there. But it's it's just an emphasis on the liturgy, which is just that rigid, not rigid, but it is kind of rigid in a way of what's going on there. But the purpose of it is so that, you know, uh, let's say, for example, you have communion. So you celebrate communion. And then you have a sermon somewhere in the in the service, and typical liturgy basically means that okay, then the offering is after the the giving is after the sermon. So after the word has been preached or the word has been um, clarified or whatever else, so you have the scripture, then you have preaching, then you give a response, and so your response is the offering. 
Okay. And so it's 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 to, it's to it's to be able to have all this kind of rich symbolism going on things and things like that. The issue is is that no one recognizes the symbolism. That's the thing. Exactly. Yeah. They just they they say it from like rote memory. They just do it because it, it's always been done, and they lose the fact of being able to have the richness and the beauty that's found in having a good liturgy. Um, but ultimately, in my my question, and you can, you can give your opinion on this too. My question on this is, what is the purpose of worship? Okay. And is worship just one hour a week in your life? Oh, okay. Or two hours a week or, you know, whenever you just go to church and I'm putting my fingers in quotes, you can't see that. But, and that's, and that's the huge question to me is what's the purpose of worship and uh, what is effective worship in the world that we live in today? All right. Well, just off the top of my head, here are some things that come to mind is, is one, I feel like I've been programmed to understand as a Christian that, that I was created for worship. So I was created to worship God. Okay. Which I will, you know, again, just being bluntly honest, some of the things that I've been taught my life, sometimes some of the things that come, it's like, well, it just seems like a very arrogant thing to do as God is to create me to worship you. It's like, you know, it's like when I think about my children, I don't I didn't like say, let's have children so that they can worship me or so that they can do things (laughs) for me. Uh, So I don't know that I completely think that that is a is an accurate statement or if it's an accurate statement if i'm actually interpreting it correctly right right right. so so maybe maybe i have a different understanding of worship because sometimes when i think of worship that means that god created me to to carry palm branches and to to wave him and (laughs) and and to to fan him in the heat of the day and and feed him grapes and feed him grapes and (laughs) and say oh we're not worthy we're not worthy and so and so maybe i'm a little messed up in the head and i just experienced Experienced uh, too much uh, authentic trans transmission there. Well, any anyone who anyone who knows you realizes that you're probably a little bit messed up in the head. And if they know me, they definitely know I'm messed up in the head. And God loves us anyway. But, but here's the thing: I I believe that that worship is not music. I mean, it, I, there is a there is a branded style of music that people do call worship. It's a genre. Right. Uh, in in but but for me worship is, it, even during the weekend when you we I prefer sometimes that we go that I say hey we're on our way to the worship service rather than saying we're on our way to the church. Right. Uh, because I I'm just trying to get in my mind the true understanding of what the church is. The church being the body of believers coming together. Right. right you right. know and and so it it's not a physical location that we go to but it's the gathering of the people and so the the church is i mean anyway so for me when i go when i go to worship or when i go to the celebration service on the weekends what i prefer to think of is that that entire experience there is from worship in fact i believe that i when it comes to that portion of time during the week where we go i feel that i worship more through the sermon that is given and and my quiet reflection of what's being said on uh, from the scriptures because honestly right. I don't like the music in our church. Okay, yeah. So the music on at our church just not doesn't fit the bill for me, and it's the same every single week and, and stuff like that. And, and you know I'm I I had a, there had been a period of time where I was one of those consumer driven people. I was a consumer yeah. in the church, and it's like, well, th- let's find a different church because this music just isn't right for me. 
I, I'm not about that. You know what? Sometimes I'll just show up late after the music's done so that I can come in and and, sure. and be my at my best. Or sometimes I'll just go in and and I'll just stand there and I'll just let my mind race with whatever my mind needs to race with. And and sometimes that's you know clearing my mind of everything through the week. Or sometimes it's like okay, let me just ponder God for a minute and right, I'll worship right. through that without singing. Exactly, yeah. And and I think that kind of gets to what, what I was kind of, I don't know, hinting at. But in my mind, worship is, is the purpose of worship is to glorify God. Yes. Which is another way in my mind of saying to honor someone, yep. to honor God. Um, and I believe, and I look at the life of Christ, which is our ultimate example of how we are to live as human beings, in my mind. And I see him living a life style of worship. Mm-hmm. It wasn't only in the times when he goes to the synagogue. It wasn't only in the times when uh, when they're celebrating the Passover feast, but it was every single moment of every single day. He's, right. He is honoring God with his life. And so if, if I ask the question that, or not ask the question, if I make the statement that worship is a lifestyle, yeah. then you bring that back to high church and low church. Or what kind of what kind of worship is is something like that, and then of course you get into the consumeristic understanding of what you're talking about. Like, and, and, I, and this is one of the things that really it, it it really frustrates me about the church and about a lot of people in the church, especially the West. I mean, the U.S. has become so um, consumeristic. Yes, and so everyone starts shopping for a church, and that really irritates me because you're basically looking at God and saying. Eh, I don't know if I like that flavor, you know, and you're just going, how, you know, how arrogant can you possibly be to be able to say, I like this. I don't like this. Uh, and so it, it's just, it really, really is, is frustrating for me, but I'm also interested. And I think God is too, in your life being transformed by being in relationship with God. So through this time of worship and this time of honoring God, and if you actually did that as a lifestyle, then I think, that everything else is going to fall into place. You're actually going to take care of the orphans and the widows. You're actually going to care about poverty. You're actually going to care about how to glorify God with your marriage and with your family and, and with your finances, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, and, and to be able to form community where community needs to be formed and, and things like that. And so my question is, is, is high church or low church? I don't care which one it is, which one is actually the most effective at pro- at promoting and providing an encouragement or a challenge for a lifestyle of worship. And and that's that's a huge I, question you know, in my mind. You know what? I I really I I'm willing to say that it's a generational thing in in a certain way. Um the thing I'm one of those people that believes that worship is a, it should be a lifestyle. It sh- I mean, you should you should be able to experience the same feeling and intention of worship here in in my little humble podcast studio versus sitting in the worship sanctuary of a, of a church with all the relics of the church, sure, you know, sure, yeah, and yeah. all this stuff. You know, I, I believe, that, <laughs> you know, and of course, I believe that you whatever home happens to you know have a roof over it that you know houses two or more believers that that you know we all we all are the church and i figure there's nothing special about that building other than the exactly. the the symbolism which we place in it it's not necessarily the relics themselves that hold any special power or being although i know some will disagree with me and i and i i i agree that you disagree 
Um, and I'm not saying I'm right, but I'm sharing my opinion. Right, of course. So, That's but, all this is. <laughs> but, you know, especially in the Catholic Church, I know that, you know, if, if all of a sudden if, if wine were to be spilt out, that there is there is all kinds of things that they have to do in their liturgical right. stuff to, to make that wine consumed or whatever. Sure. And and so for me, it's all the symbolism that, that has the power. Transubstantiation, by it, the way, is the big word for yes, that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So anyway, the the whole whole thing is is that I believe that we should lifestyle should be a worship or worship should be a lifestyle and it's something that we should be living out daily hmm. in in our everyday life. Now, but that's for me. There and I believe that that's what's required for all people from God. I think that God wants us all to live a lifestyle of worship. Right. But how that how that's lived out through different people I think is different. I, oh, I, I completely agree with you. I, I do think that it does have that understanding of of. Well, okay. Well, really quick, I want to go back to the go, okay. really quick. Go back to voicemail. I really believe that that John Wesley was and was um, Church of England was Anglican, mm-hmm. and so therefore he was bound to very high church. I mean, that's very kind of one of the things the Anglican Church is known for uh, is 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 the liturgy and having a beautiful understanding of the liturgy and things like that. But I also know that. If you ever go to John Wesley's chapel in England, uh, I mean they they are known for the the highest pulpits. You know, I mean yep. it's like it had one little bit of pulpit, and then they went up to another pulpit, so you could be able to like hoard over everyone except yep. the people in the balcony, and you're probably at eye level with the people in the balcony. And so, I mean, you could do some serious like you know damnation preaching kinds of stuff. Uh, not not that I think John Wesley did that stuff. I mean, his emphasis was always grace. Every single time was grace. But yeah. Anyway, so I just wanted to, to answer that point. But I think what we're kind of I think what we're kind of we're we're, we're kind of hinting at the debate of secular versus sacred. Uh huh. And and so for some people, uh, that is a sacred time, you know. And so they they have set up basically they've. They've put um, barriers up for different parts of their life. And I think this is one of the major issues, especially in the West, is, okay, I'm at work. This is a secular time. This is not sacred. There's nothing sacred about this. I'm with my family. Okay, yeah, this can kind of be sacred, but most of the time it's secular. We're going to enjoy TV, blah, 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 blah. And then they go to church. Oh, that's a sacred time. Yep, this is where... This is where you have to wear a certain style of clothes and you don't wear others. Right, exactly. You this don't is, speak the way you normally speak. Uh, you know, you, you have all these different kinds of things like that. And so, but I really, I really question if there should be a separation between secular and sacred. Okay. I, I, will, <laughs> I will say that I question that as well. However, I think there, that it's, to, I, I, I think I lean on the side of saying, okay, they're sacred. And there's even more sacred is okay for some people. <laughs> okay. okay, does that make sense? Well, sure, yeah. You know, I mean, because we're the, probably saying the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, here, here's the situation. I believe there needs. I, I believe our entire. When we say sacred, are we saying the same thing as set apart? Yeah, we're it, saying holy, holy. Right. Yeah, and we, holy, we talked about that earlier. Yep. It just means set apart, set apart for God's purpose. So basically, you're intending for this time to be a time that's that's not just focused on self or selfish pleasures, desires, but also set apart for the purpose of saying, okay, how can I glorify God through this time, right. this place, through this activity, or whatever. And so, I believe that we need to have like what you're saying. I, I believe that we need to equally treat the entire balances of our life, hmm. uh, both work, play, activity, oh, yeah. rest, uh, 
sure uh, family and and all of these different areas and quote unquote church right um, as being sacred. Right. But I, I will say that I do find some value. In, and see, I, I don't know if you know this about me, and I, I'm not sure how much I've shared about this in the past on this podcast. I think I have shared it. But anyway, I actually attended a Catholic school from second, let's see, no, from first grade all the way through seventh grade. Okay. So, you know, I, I attended all the religion classes oh, yeah. uh, every year, every day. Yeah. Uh, I went to Mass every Friday. For eight years, and so I'm very familiar with uh, what the Catholics believe in in much of this stuff. Sure. And so, uh, what I'm saying is that I will tell you that as a Protestant believer, I am I, I am devastated that my kids have not yet, at their ages eight, six, and three, have not mm-hmm. yet had the experience of the stages uh, of the stages of the cross. Oh, yeah. Are you familiar with the stages oh, yeah, of the cross? Of course, yeah. That uh, the stations. I'm sorry, stations, stations of the cross. So um, that is something I really miss, and I mm. miss it for this for the sacredness of which I place upon that tradition or that bit sure. of liturgy uh, from from the Catholic uh, background that I have. Right. You know, for me, that spoke volumes. It's like it's like man, here is the passion of Christ reenacted in this theatrical way that for me. It, it it swells up within me um an adoration of Christ and who he is and what he did and it and it really brings forth an attitude of worship yeah, in sure, me. And sure. so there are so there are some things that I really wish, you know, my Protestant upbringing, you know, and, and stuff like this, I really wish we could have some more of this tradition. Right. This right. stuff that's okay. It's like okay, this is a little bit different than your normal sure. everyday whatever. Sure, this is something a little bit more sacred than that. Hmm. And and so, so I'm a little I'm a little on the edge. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, sure. I think I think that there. Um, and this is the way I would describe that. I think that there is um, there are different tools that or different things that that you can be able to experience that will put a focus when it comes to the, your sacredness. Uh, but I think those tools are to be a constant reminder that as you're living your regular life while you're at play or at work or whatever else, that you are reminded of the passion of Christ. Yes. That you can actually follow in those footsteps, whether it's in the garden of agony and, or, you know, or, or what all the different things were that, that happened there. Um, in, that that it's providing for you to be able to have a deeper life of Christianity. You know, you are a little Christ. You're a Christian, right? Um, and that's your new name or your new nature. Um, understanding. So yeah, I, th- I think that you know, and there needs to be places like that. And like uh, the the pastor at Florence United Methodist Church, where I help out with the worship services on Sunday. Um, he always says that this time for worship, and, and he's talking about that, you know, one hour on a Sunday or two hours in our case. Um, uh, this is the launching point to get you totally stoked and excited about living your life throughout this week. This is like the, the like this boost of encouragement. It's like it's like getting the plus energy at Starbucks, saying, "Hey, here you go." We're going to boost you up, and then and then you can be able to be excited about living your life as a Christian in the world when you go beyond these walls, uh, when you go beyond these people. Yeah. And then when you come back, you get to you get to be excited again. And that's the other thing too. And worship, the understanding of worship, is is really it's a sacrificial understanding. It is not something you sit down to get something from God. 
the understanding, especially in the Old Testament, uh, is is to suck a rug. I mean, to lay prostrate. I mean, it is like pure sacrifice. I'm, I'm giving you my back. I'm laying on the ground. There's no way I can defend myself. My life is in your hands, understanding. Mm-hmm. And that's worship. And so many people go to worship saying, what am I going to get out of this? Do I like the music? Do I like the children's ministry? Do I like yep. the youth ministry? And in, re- in reality, what worship should be is some time where we literally offer ourselves to God during that yeah. time period. And you know whatever that looks like, and if you're living a lifestyle of offering your everyday, your words, your thoughts, your family, your wife, your kids, you know your job, everything to God is a sacrifice. Dude, you're going to live a completely radical, different life. Absolutely, than what, you w- what you would normally live. And and the, and see, that's the thing. And and of course, that I I believe that that is the goal of where I'm trying to be right now is is to bring this understanding of what worship is on the weekend and what has always has been on the weekend, and to bring that into the daily. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's that daily time alone with God, hmm. spending time, and and of course, getting beyond the two minute devotional, and it's getting beyond the fifteen minutes alone with God. It's getting beyond. I have to read this section of the Bible every day. You know, whether you've said one chapter, ten verses, <laughs> one proverb, and a psalm here and there. It's like get rid, getting rid of all the legalistic requirements of what you say you're going to do, right. but instead say, okay, God. How can I encounter you today? Exactly. And sometimes, and, and I'll tell you what, the, I I think for the very first time in my life, I can really sit down and have a, a clear discussion on this because prior to January 1st, 2008, I really, I, I've had times when I've spent time alone with God, but it was always more of, you know, well, this is going to make me a better Christian kind of thing. You know, right, it's right, like, right. I just need to be a better Christian. Right. And and you thought to be a better Christian is to be alone with God, reading the scripture, time in prayer, silence, understanding. Exactly. And that's exactly, and it was like, okay, here's the equation. And my goal was to be a better Christian, whatever a Christian is. Right, right, You know, right, it, it right. depends on who you ask what a Christian is. In fact, that'd be a good topic one day. But for me, what changed in January is for the very first time in my life, I I have basically thrown away, thrown off everything that I depended on hmm. Hmm. for my substance, for my income, for for my future. You know, I was very much set. I mean, I, it's like I've always had an employer who told me what to do. Instead of now, instead of having an employer, I I have to depend on self discipline and self-control, all these other fruits of the spirit kind of things <laughs> that I hadn't been too good at before. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, it's like, wow, you screw up some of those fruits of the spirit when you're working for somebody else, chances are you might get a demerit or you might, <laughs> you know, you might get written up or in the case, you know, of, of working for your family in an insurance agency, they might give you a harsh speaking to and you just go on with life. <laughs> But no, in the real world, on your not in the real world. I, I don't mean to say that that people who work for somebody. But in the world that I'm living in now, it's completely <laughs> different. It's like I don't have those people exactly. to put me straight. It's right. like I depend on God to speak to my heart and to right. give me the direction. Sometimes through your wife, sometimes through your kids, but <laughs> and sometimes through a customer or a listener or exactly. or somebody else. So, but but the thing is, is all of a sudden, it's like where's my income going to come from? But before, honestly. I could go an entire week without doing any work and still get paid. Right, right, right. I can't do that anymore. And so there, yeah. what I, and, and, I, and I guess what I'm saying is that 
for the first time in my life, I'm like, okay, I feel God calling me to podcasting, to do ministry through podcasting, to to entertain people through podcasting, to make a living through podcasting. And it's like, how in the world am I supposed to do all this? I have this, poly- I have the passion, and the, and I have all this determination and everything else, and I'm ready to go. But when it all comes down to it, honestly, how are the bills getting paid? And I believe, without any doubt, it is God. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the mm-hmm. manna from heaven. Don't worry about storing up for tomorrow because there's going to be new stuff coming. Sure. Don't sure. take any of this stuff home because it's going to smell your house up. And what I. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, because that stench will get to you after a while. But, you know, I, what I hear you saying is I laid my life before Christ. I For mean, the first time I, in my I, life. I, I lived, I, I actually put some some actions where my mouth was, and, and I sacrificed everything. My family. I sacrificed my, my family. My career. Everything I sacrificed my life. My integrity, or not my integrity, but my, uh, what's, what is it, what people think about me. Oh, uh, uh, what is that word? That, it, it, there's somebody like Doug Cliff. It's, it's yeah, this. I hear him yelling. I hear you yell louder. <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> but uh, I, anyway, face you sacrifice. Yeah, I sacrifice what people think about me. You know, right. what? Basically, it's like, it's like is 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 Cliff? Does Cliff have what it takes? Yeah. You know, yeah. and the truth is, is I'll be honest with you. In in December of this year, did I talk about this one yet? No, not not on this podcast. Okay. I've heard it before because okay. I've listened to some other podcasts. But well, in December, in December of two thousand seven, was the darkest night of the soul for me. I mean, there were there were times when it's like because I I had known I'd given a ninety day notice at my family's insurance agency that I was going to leave and go towards the great unknown, <laughs> having no idea what on earth I was going to do and wow. how this was going to work. Wow. And uh, all through all through or no all through October things were just I was so passionate so excited, and then November was just kind of like this up and down up and down emotional roller coaster. Oh sure. And then all of a sudden December first came around, and then right around and I remember on Christmas Eve, man, Christmas Eve I was a walking corpse. <laughs> I'm serious. You could have said boo, and I would have broke down into tears and just <laughs> literally died right there. In fact, my my pastor called me up on Christmas Eve out of nowhere. I mean, just cool. literally out of nowhere. He says, "Cliff, how are you feeling today?" And I I couldn't respond to him on the phone. I was I was so choked up with tears. Yeah. That's how bad it got. And I'm like, there were there were nights where the anxiety levels were so high that I really felt as though I was having a heart attack and that if I fell asleep that night, I would not wake up because I thought I was going to die. Right, right. That is how paralyzing the fear got. And so, yeah, it was the first time in my life I'd ever completely got out of the boat and walked on water. Right. And I will tell you what, it has been the most amazing journey since then. And every day I'm tempted to come down here and I screw it up all the time. But every day I'm tempted to come down here and just get started and start working and making things happen in my (laughs) own energy. And then finally I get right around the last, you know, 10 days of the month and it's like okay here's the amount of money we need to pay the bills and i ain't got what it takes to make that amount of money happen exactly yeah what am i going to do and then i and then the one thing i hate is this idea or this concept it's like okay well let's go before god it's like no (laughs) god's gonna be so ticked off at me because he's gonna say where were you the first 20 days of this month And I've I missed you. I've missed you. I don't, I, and I, I hate that about myself sometimes about this whole idea 
of going to God just to get something. It's like, I right. don't want to go there. I it's know the vending machine God. Exactly. You know, God, I put my prayer time in. I put those two quarters in, and I want my Coke right now. You better give me, you know, this salary or whatever else. And that is completely, re- that's not relationship. Nope. If everyone treated their marriage that way, you would have a lot of divorces, which I think there's a reason we have a lot of divorces. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So that's 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 exactly what I'm talking about. Is, is this time alone with God should not be, you know, it, it's a give to get kind of thing. It's like I'll give you my time because I know you're going to benefit me. But at the same time, it's like I, I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place sometimes because of my lack of self control sure. and my lack of self discipline and my lack of worship in my life. Right? Is that you know sometimes I'll sit there and it's like wait until things get really dire straight and then go to God and I'm like. Dude, I I am so sorry, God. Please forgive me for this. Because right. I realize this first 20 days, although I think that I made it all happen on my own, I didn't do it. You did this through me, and I acknowledge that. And I have been completely selfish with my time and right. my energy, and I have not developed this relationship with you the way that I should. Right. And I think that's another aspect that a lot of Christians miss, and I think this is what's what's hurting us honestly in the eyes and the minds of the normal people, which is my term of non-Christians. Um, the normal people. It, it really, seriously, I, I think everyone who's not a Christian is pretty normal. Cause I mean, we're putting, we're putting all of our eggs in one basket of one dude who yep. lived 2000 years ago, who we believe raised from the dead. I've never seen that happen before. I mean, that's, that's crazy talk. Yeah. That is crazy talk. You guys are normal, <laughs> and I'll give that to you because I'm the crazy one. I understand that, um, and and there and it's also wonderful because I I, I desire to develop relationships with people, and especially normal people, uh, because they're going to help me to be able to know what what Christ looks like and, and and how God is already moving in people's lives, whether they realize it or not, and working despite us, <laughs> like yes. you're talking about. Uh, he, he was working despite you for those 20 days or whatever. That's exactly it. Yeah, and, and so, you know, here's, a, here's an opportunity for us to be able to live our lives uh, saying thank you, uh, even when, and I always say that, you know, thank God so much for working in us, around us, through us, and despite us. Yes. I remember uh, hearing a Christian artist say that at Ichthus one time, and, and I was like, oh my gosh, yes. I mean, that, I completely agree with the despite us because we screw it up so much. Yeah. And, and you know, we have to be reminded of saying, you know, we're, we're, we're sorry for that. But that's the other thing is, is I do not believe that we are sinners in the hand of an angry God. Right. I, I believe that we are, are, are crest in the, in the arms of a loving God. Which, which is beyond imagination. Let me just tell you, for me, it's beyond imagination. It's like, how can God still love me despite yeah. all of this? Sure. You know? And he does. I, and and I, I can say that with confidence because I know and experience and feel his love. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and for those of you who don't understand what that means and you can't identify that with that, I, it is for you that I pray that these podcasts become so influential in helping you at least make a decision to, yeah. to investigate who Christ is, to investigate who Jesus is and what he can mean to you and your life. Not that I'm here to convert anybody because that's never my intent. No, no, but no, no. investigate, seek God, seek God, and I believe that you will find. And I hope and pray that many people will understand and know the love that is God and, 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 and of God and the relationship that you can have and 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 that it's just it's all consuming at times hmm, hmm. and and that is why i desire and and th- that's the biggest thing i hate is that i so desire 
I'm I'm just getting excited thinking about God right now. (laughs) And I so desire to spend that time alone with him. But it's just amazing to me how I can just desire to sleep in an extra 45 minutes more. Or I can desire to say, you know what, I'm going to check and respond to all those emails so I can have a clean email inbox. Or I'm going to go and do this because that, and I'm going to go and eat lunch now instead of 20 minutes later. And and I always choose to do other things above that and it just doesn't make sense. And sometimes I feel like a hypocrite. Hmm. And I think that sometimes I feel like a hypocrite because I will confess to you at many times I am a hypocrite. Yeah. <laughs> and so that that's if Welcome to Christianity. <laughs> welcome to Christianity. I, hello, my name is Cliff Ravenscraft, not Chris by the way. Uh, <laughs> I am a hypocrite. But and, uh, that that should be every Sunday morning. You know we, exactly. We, you know and that's the other thing. Oh my gosh, this is one of my pet peeves. Oh no, here is we go. all these stupid church signs. I want to smack the people that oh. put signs up. I told somebody I said I really honestly think if 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 I was a normal person and I was driving past a church the most effective sign in the world would be we are so sorry. Yeah. And just or, apologize for how screwed up Christians are. Yep. And say, you know, we we are so sorry. We have screwed you over so many times. Come in, let's talk about it. Why do bad Christians happen to good people? <laughs> yeah. There's a good there's a good sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and that's the other thing too. In, in what you've said, it has an emphasis on on your personal quiet time. But I also want to put it needs to be an equal emphasis of community. Yeah. Uh, I mean, God created the church, and we were just generally speaking about the church here. The church is the people, not a building. And so there is a reason and a purpose why he created us to be in relationship with him and in relationship with others. Yep. Um, like, you know, the, the Shema uh, is like the thing that the Jewish people say every time they wake up and every time they go to sleep. I think that's right. I'm not positive. But it's 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 used in the New Testament. It's like, you know, basically saying, um, I will love God with every ounce of who I am. And, uh, you know, the first, when the guy asked him, you know, what's the greatest commandment? And he says to love God with your love, with your heart, mind, soul, strength, something like that. And then he says, the second is like it to love your neighbor as yourself. But if you read, if you actually read the the Greek there, Mm -hmm. it really could be saying in other words, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And, and so he's basically saying, if you want to love me, then you will love your neighbor. Right. And th- those are equal in the, in the mind and the eyes of God. And so I think that community is a is a huge aspect. And I think in the West, we have got to constantly be fighting this individual mentality and start thinking of a communal mentality. Because to help you with your quiet times, if you had a community surrounding you to be able to say, Cliff, what happened this morning? Did you, did you have some time with God? Yeah. And you know what? If you didn't. Then, then let's just let's do it together right now. I mean, th- that'll that'll cover it. Or let's go eat together, and let's just talk about our relationship with God and, and with other people around here. And so, I really want to say that there's there's a, a needed emphasis in community, especially in the West, right? Um, and I think people are longing for it. To be honest with you, so I, I do too. In fact, um, community is the is the main thing. The missing agreement ingredient. I think I've. I've found it's been the ingredient that's been missing in most of my church experience growing up. Um, I've seen some hints at community, but so much it so much that it's limited to those times that we gather as a quote unquote church at a quote unquote 
facility known as the church. Yeah. You know, it's the it's the ice cream socials. It's these things called fellowships, which would which honestly, I think that is a that is a beautiful word. <laughs> I, I really do. I think yeah. it's a beautiful word that's lost its meaning. I mean, it's like it's exactly. now it's the men's fellowship breakfast. It's like, what is fellowship? Fellowship is just living life together, spurring exactly. one another on yeah. to good works. And, and so the word fellowship lost its meaning to and, and today we're really enamored with the word community. It's the same principle. It's the right. same principle in scripture, and and what's I, what I think is the missing ingredient is this idea of living life together outside of the church walls, mm-hmm. and that's the most amazing well, thing. In to, and out, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, uh, exactly. In and out, and and that's why I want to just share some scriptures real quick, and and then we can wrap things up. But cool. Uh, cool. check check this out because I used to be very heavily involved in the cell church, as I told you. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the whole idea of the cell church is where there is an equal emphasis on two separate parts of church life. There is the inside the church walls. And there's the outside the church walls. Or basically, (laughs) there is the corporate worship service, and then there is the small group living life intentionally together uh, in small bands of people that are are surrounded around the idea of encouraging and strengthening one another and spurring one another on. And so basically, here are some scriptures uh, that kind of outline what was it? Because you read the... The, you read the New Testament, or if you if you haven't read the New Testament, when you read the New <laughs> Testament, you will read about the beginning of the church and how thousands of people were saved in one day. Right. And and you, just this miraculous amount of things were happening. Just people were just by the hundreds accepting Christianity and Christ as their Lord. And and what was that beginning church? What did it look like? And it, I'm going to just read some uh, scriptures. I'll say the verses and just read them real quick, or I'll have DG read them. Uh, Acts okay. Acts eight three. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Okay, so when Saul was looking for him, he went house to house. Uh, Acts twenty twenty. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. Okay, so there we have both publicly and house to house. Acts 5.42. Day after day in the temple courts and from casa, <laughs> casa a casa, <laughs> house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus and the Christ. Okay. The Christ. Exactly. So we had the temple courts, which is a public place, and house to house. Acts 16.40. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with brothers and encouraged them. Then they left. So some, something would happen over at Lydia's house, and that just happened to where, be where the brothers were hanging. Acts twenty-eight sixteen and verses 30 through 31. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. And there are a multitude of other verses that talked about the the church that meet, met in their home. And, and so the whole idea here is that this idea of worship should not be list, should not be limited to this time that we call church or this place or facility that we could call church. And so I I am not a, I, I'm going to try to use the word uh, high church in the right context now that I have a little bit of understanding. Okay. I am not against high church. No. In fact, 
I somewhat miss some of the elements of high church. There is some wonderful things about high church that I believe really spoke to me in ways that other things don't speak to me. Right. There, there's, there's just like there's things about traditions that family have that really have a lot of meaning that can lose their meaning over time. Right. It's like, why do we do this? And it's like, if all of a sudden, you, well, I don't know. It's just because we've always done it this way. Right. It's at that point, high church loses its meaning. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, it, and it does nothing for anybody other than just meeting a requirement. And people think that they're doing good or that they're worshiping just because they're doing something that has always been done. Right. And that for me is where high church breaks down. But my suggest or my, my personal feeling is that there are some things about high church I do miss even in my Protestant lifestyle. I I per- personally I wish, you know, and again this is the consumer mentality in me. I I really wish that my congregation did the Lord's Supper more often than it does. Mm-hmm. Okay? In fact, I I have a email here real quick from uh Wednesday, December 12, 2007. <laughs> From my good friend Richard, he says, "Dear Cliff, you might like uh, to take this up as a discussion on about the church with Chad sometime. Chad is my pastor. He, he we were going to bring him in as a co-host, but he is so busy with uh, the church and stuff, so it was uh, not easy to get him in here. But anyway, he says he's just received a note, study. He just received the study notes for a course called Community of Faith, starting in January. A part of the contents reminded me about a question I wanted to raise with folks from the evangelical wing of the church." Each of the five weeks of the course will open with reflection on a particular church tradition, evangelical, Roman Catholic, charismatic, liberal, and Quakerism. I am looking forward to this since you may recall my own Christian experience has included all of the above, although Quakerism only indirectly, and I have appreciated many aspects of each. From the notes on evangelicals, I quote, For evangelicals, preaching is central to church life. Evangelical churches may have a substantial sermon every week, almost always from a biblical text, and the main service may only include communion once a month or even less. What might you have to learn from the evangelical tradition? Could you pay closer attention to God's voice in the Bible? And, of course, he says, uh, from notes on the Roman Catholics, he quotes, is Holy Communion an important part of your spirituality? How close do you feel to God when you taken when you are taking the bread and the wine, or the body and the blood, or the, in body. the Roman Catholic understanding? Exactly. What might you have to learn from the Roman Catholic tradition? What uh, could you get more out of the sacred uh, sacrament of communion? My question then is: How would you feel about increasing the role of communion in your church? And this, he was really asking about Chad. In, in, in our right. Protestant church. Right. Uh, clearly, one could ask similar questions to relating to charismatic, liberal, and Quakerism, but perhaps that could provide fuel for future discussions. Richard. Richard is an amazing man, and he is one of the people I consider to be a part of my community. Um, cool. He is a listener that ever, ever since I started podcasting, he's been there listening along. And he's one of those guys when I say, hey, guys, I really want you guys to hold me accountable. If you don't hear about me talking about walking on the treadmill or going out for a walk and getting physical activity, just out of the blue sometimes, just say, I haven't heard about this. How's that going with this area of your life? Cool. And he's one of those men that do that for me. Awesome. And so I'm thankful to him. So I'm just amazed that, you know, here this email has been sitting around for, uh, what, almost six months now. And here we are talking about high church. 
Right. And now let, let's just answer his question. Um, the communion. The, the, by, Jesus said, do this and re- whenever you come together, do this in remembrance of me. Do you th- I, now the what does the Methodist do in this situation? Uh, you know, the Methodists believe that that communion. We only have two two sacraments when the Roman Church has multiple, many okay. more. It's communion and baptism is the only two sacraments we have. And what we is mean by marriage a sacrament? What's that? Marriage is a sacrament. Isn't not it? you know, the Methodist Church, Roman Catholic Church, yes. Okay, um, but uh, in the United Methodist Church, we only have two: communion and baptism. And basically, what we might what we mean by a sacrament is sacred. We're sort of talking about holiness stuff. Okay, but we actually believe that God is actually doing something in this actual moment. I mean, in this. And you guys don't believe sacrament. that about marriage? Uh, well, it's not a sacrament. It's not a sacrament. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you do believe about that that about marriage? Oh well, yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, good. it's a holy moment. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have a worship service to do a wedding, <laughs> so that is always okay. a holy moment. But there are only two things that that Christ is literally in, and and um, and so. But we actually we don't believe that, like the Roman Catholics believe in transubstantiation, right. which is the fancy word that it literally becomes the flesh. I'm talking human flesh of Jesus yes. when they partake it, and it literally becomes the actual blood of Jesus when they take it. We believe that that is, is symbolism; it's not the actual right. thing. Uh, but it's just basically just taking Christ literal in, in the Bible, and some of the people taking is is as um, symbolism uh, that's going on there. So, um, but yeah, we believe that it's a sacrament. So God is actually doing something in the midst of of his of his community every single time we celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion. So, how often does the Methodist Church state that you should celebrate this sacrament? There's, there's no, there's no statement. Um, Wesley actually said you need, to, you need to take it as often as you possibly can get it. Okay. Uh, so that's a Wesleyan understanding. I think most, most churches, um, as a whole, uh, I think the majority of United Methodists probably do it once a month. But uh, I know a lot of churches that say we offer it every single week. We just offer it in the prayer chapel after every single service. See. And that's what that's what Florence Shine Methodist Church does. Gotcha. Now I went to uh, a, a church here in Burlington, a rather large, uh, non-denominational, I guess, Churches of Christ communion church, community church kind of thing. Um, but anyway, they did communion every single week. Right. And I'll be honest with you, there in the Nazarene Church, we did it. It was very similar to the Methodist, obviously, an offshoot of the Methodist Church. Sure. So um, in the Nazarene Church, we did not do communion every single week. We didn't do it. It wasn't, quote, unquote, monthly. Uh, it, it was ju- it was just about once a month, maybe once every other month and a half. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, it was a for for the time that we did do it. What happened was because it wasn't all the time. There was emphasis placed on that. It became more sacred, if you will, right. when we did it because there was more time spent on what this is. There was more time spent on reflection of your own life and whether or not, you, you know, are, right. are, is this something that is your heart okay with God? You know, is, this is an opportunity for you to purify your your yourself through for asking for forgiveness of sins and stuff like that. Right. And, and to, to really come before God with a clean heart. And, and I, want, I want to throw out another thing. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'm huge on community. I'm huge on community. And I think that's one of the other things that I think people miss in communion is are they actually asking as an entire body of people 
for the for for the forgiveness? Is it only just this individual thing that you go up to the altar, or are you actually saying we as your people bringing ourselves at this sacrifice? Oh, I like that. And, I have and, never heard that before, and that is so missed, and that needs to be another emphasized understanding, especially in the West, because we're so individualistic. I think that it's hugely missed. Right. That it, this is a body of Christ that we're talking about here. We're not, I mean, I'm, I'm talking like the people. <laughs> I'm not talking about the actual bread, but, but, you know, it, and that's, I just want to put that emphasis on there is just to say, when's the last time you went and we, and you went before God saying we instead of I all the time. Right. Or, or me all the time and, and actually prayed as a community and that understanding. So anyway, I'll just yep. throw that out there. Cool. And so basically, the, just to finish up, my my one thought there is that you know, I will say that in the Nazarene Church, when we experienced communion, it 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 was, and again, it's all about me, right? It, I felt <laughs> as though I experienced it with a better set apart holy moment than I ever did at this other church that I attended, where it was every week. As matter of fact, there there were times. There were times at this other church when I so was I was so disconnected from God hmm. and so unconnected that I'm like, you know what? I don't want to take this right now. I, I passed on the bread. I passed on the cup. And I passed on it because, you know what? For me to take this right now would be a lie. It's, it's like I am so – I feel so disconnected that I don't want to take this just because, well – you know, everybody else has taken it. Right, right, right. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. And, and would God say, you know, you need to experience grace right now. Well, and you're yeah. going to get this whether you deserve it or not. Yeah, it wasn't. And, you need to take, and, and was, Wesley was a huge big guy. I mean, he, he really believed this is a means of grace. Yes. Communion is a means of grace. So basically, you can be able to come into a relationship with God through this sacrament. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, no, heck no. You've got to know Jesus and you've got to be baptized and confirmed before you can ever even take it. Yeah. Uh, understanding. And that's a huge difference of what Wesley would always say. My, my, I'm going to say one other thing really no, quick. Are you done? I'm sorry. I, I totally cut uh, you off. No, I, uh, go ahead. Okay. I, I, I was just going to, I'm just going to say, I, I, when I say that I passed it out, it wasn't necessarily because I wasn't worthy. Right. right, right. I'm just saying I, I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to, for me, taking the bread and the wine, my mind was, my mind was so far not on, in in the realm of of godliness or worship or <laughs> I, I was just you know what I was just there my physical body right. was there I was probably sleeping or something like that or thinking about <laughs> a video game or something else that for me I just didn't want to take the bread simply because the only reason I would have taken it at that time was because well that's because the plate was there right. you know it's, right. it, there it's like I I want these times to be more sacred than they are. Right. And I'm not and that had more I think it had more to do with the fact that I had very little time alone with God outside of the weekly worship and of sure. course at that time even the weekly worship was kind of boring and and yeah, I yeah. was very consumeristic and wasn't pleased and happy it wasn't flipping my you know what make me happy and so <laughs> it's like well, I, I was very selfish and conceited, and, right, and I was like, right. you know, I, and I and I've been in those places before. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. No, I I understand that. I mean, it was an it was an integrity issue for you at the time. Yeah, God was definitely working despite you in those in that case. Exactly. And 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 the other thing is, is I just want to throw out there is it was really really debated earlier on in the life of the church. I mean, talking early early church, uh, what was actually meant by every time you eat and drink this. Do it do in remembrance it. of me. And and these were staples. Yeah. Wine and bread were something you would have at every meal. Mm-hmm. And so some people took that as, 
Oh, he's saying every time you you receive sustenance, the stuff that gives you life, I want you to remember that I give you life. Mm-hmm. And so it, some people took it as every time you eat a meal, yep. period. It is not just only grape juice and bread, but every single time you eat a meal, you do it in remembrance of Christ. You remember what what you owe Christ or what Christ has given you and, and the grace that's been involved in that. Now, I, that's one of the things I really wrestled with. I mean, I really wrestled with because there's a lot of people out there that just say, you know, crackers and water, man. We're gonna just we're gonna have communion right now and with crackers and water and and things like that. But there's also something that's beautiful and talking about how church and the symbolism and the purpose of the symbolism yeah. of of what's needed from making wine or making grape juice. I mean, the crushing of this grape and remembering of what, what Christ went through yeah. um, and the passion of Christ and things like that. So I don't know. You can take that for what, for what it's worth. I want to encourage other people to wrestle with us with it because, you know, that's part of the fun. I think of Christianity is wrestling with these things and figuring out how do we, how do we live this life and how do we do it in community and things like that? Exactly. Well, we certainly have plenty more to talk about, uh, over the coming weeks, months and years and all these other things, because there, there's, there's so much to living the Christian life. And we do encourage you if, if, if you are not a believer in Christ, I just want to say, you know, you're normal. If you're normal, (laughs) if you're normal, Uh, person out there we just want to encourage you just to simply investigate faith you know investigate it Uh, and do it in community i would actually encourage you to do it in community absolutely and there is a there's i'm certain that there's no shortage of people out there that that you could find that call themselves christ followers and you know what just just one favor do not let one person's example be your Please. be your guide as to what you think Christianity is all about, right. and and that includes us. Definitely, that yes. includes us. And uh, we're just asking that God will richly bless you. That's right. Mm-hmm.